Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and we watched several things this week, starting with The Mitchells vs. The Machines, which is an animated film out on Netflix. And the plot of that one is, when it comes to saving the world, they have no idea what they're doing. But they're a family and they're doing it together. That's not really a plot description, but it's about a family versus the robot apocalypse. That's not a spoiler, that is in the trailers. The voice cast is actually pretty impressive. You've got Danny McBride, Abby Jacobson, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Fred Armisen, Beck Bennett, John Legend, and Chrissy Teigen, Blake Griffin, Conan O'Brien, and Charlene Yee. Again, that's animated on Netflix. We do go into plot spoilers. I don't think we spoil the end, but it's it's helpful to have seen the film before listening to the discussion. Also, Marvel on Monday, May 3rd, also dropped a sizzle trailer for their upcoming slate. You really want to watch that before you listen to that part of the discussion. It's only three minutes long. It will give you the feels. It's a hype trailer for going back to the movies and also a little bit for Black Widow. And then finally, we watched Shadow and Bone, which is on Netflix. It is adapted from a book series by Lee Bardugo. We watched different... So I only watched the first episode, maybe 10 minutes of the next episode. I have read all the books. Jackie watched more of the show than I did. Matt watched maybe up to episode three. We, I'm just going to call like blanket spoilers for it because we do talk about where the books end up going, but we don't because we haven't finished the series because that should give you a hint as to how we feel about it. We don't know if we are actually spoiling anything from the Netflix show. So if you care about that, come back to listen to this after you've watched at least through episode three. If you don't, go ahead and listen to this. Also, be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion for a couple of quick follow-up points. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Starting off with The Mitchells versus The Machines. I am curious, had you two seen anything about this film before it came out? No. When you told not. me last week that you wanted to watch this, I had no idea what it was about. You were like, Dana, stop smoking. I didn't even know it was animated until I think Matt said it was animated. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. Sure. So that's about as much as I knew about this movie was that it was called Mitchells versus the Machines and that it was animated. And that's all I knew when I turned it on. I don't think I had heard about it until you talked about it coming out and that we should watch it. And then I believe you told me it was animated. So I knew, oh, okay. And I think you even said it was Sony Sony Animation's new, Mm -hmm. new film. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And I had not seen a trailer or anything going in. Okay. So in ver- it used to be called Connected. And I remember seeing a pitch or seeing some sort of thing on it, you know, ages ago. And then it just went away. And then got a notice that with the Mitchells vs. Machines comes out this week on Netflix. This was like years had lapsed in between. And I'm sure some info had come out on it. When I saw the trailer, I was like, either this is going to be terrible or everything good is in the trailer already and the rest will be terrible, or I don't even know what to expect. I really enjoyed it. I was super surprised by it because it just totally, again, no expectations aside from knowing that it had been in sort of development limbo for a really long time. How about yourselves? Since you had you knew nothing about it. It was sadly very, very not my humor at all. Okay. Same. I, I did not dislike the story. Oh, okay. I it was fine i mean the emotional beats i guess were there but i'll be honest i got inebriated before i watched it hoping that it would be funny and enjoyable and i didn't laugh at all and oh you know considering i was inebriated i thought that was sad it's just not my sense of humor i think it it just did not hit me at all and like maybe i don't know if i just am a little too old for the furby thing or Oh, the Furby thing I did what? not get because I was like, is um, this pro- are Furbies coming back? That was my thought. I was like, is this a product like, And I did there? think they yeah. were scary, I guess, when I was seeing the commercials, but I never like wanted one. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. And if they were like mimicking the noises that they actually make, I don't even remember that. 
So I just feel like that scene, especially in particular, just sort of encapsulated how I felt about the film where I was mostly Mm -hmm. like, I guess this is vaguely interesting and I can see kind of where you're going, but it somehow just missed a mark for me. Okay. I really enjoyed that they played with the idea of 3D, 2D animation. Mm -hmm. So sort of like this marriage between the two where a lot of it was 3D, but it, it looked 2D. And then also the reactions. So like the anime type reactions, I guess I'm going to call them, where you kind of have something that's incongruous of what's happening in, or or maybe like even like a comic strip stuff too, where like rainbows come out of the person's or nearby their head or, you know, stuff like that where they're reacting to something. I did like the use of that. I thought that was really cool. I thought the characters were were good, actually, pretty well-rounded and interesting I mean, obviously, they were trying so hard to make them so quirky. Mm -hmm. Matt, what were your thoughts? I did have a Furby, and I enjoyed my Furby while I had my Furby. My sister and I had Furbies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Still didn't really understand. I was like, wait. (laughs) Like, I almost feel like it was, if it's not they're making a comeback, it must somehow have been people just directly in the age group that had Furbies or something that that worked on this, on the concept of it or whatever, to think, oh, this will be hilarious. I agree with most, pretty much everything Jackie said. I I did really like the animation style, and that was kind of keeping me in, I guess, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because it's not fair to do this, but we've talked about doing this before with other films. Because it's from Sony Animation Studios, it kind of just... I just was comparing so many things to Spider-Verse style and everything. It was too, and it started with the thing that said... Created by the you that brought you Spider Verse Mm -hmm, and a force mm -hmm. that's all I can think of the whole time I'm watching it. And obviously, Spider Verse is incredible. Right. And I know it's not like their direct follow up to it. So it's not necessarily fair to say, like, oh, this is what you do right after that. But Spider Verse is, I mean, the style lends itself so well to Spider Verse. I thought the style worked well here as far as the animation goes and the art. But it just, yeah, I don't know. That's where the development thing came into play for me because I was like, this would have come out well before Spider-Verse if it had been on track for... Sure. I don't actually know what happened with it. I assume you both saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm-hmm. No. No? Okay. Matt, did you like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? I did. I, I don't love it like some people do because I know there's a lot of people, my sister included, loves mm-hmm. that movie. I know there's a lot of people that really do and I think uh, specifically industry people that really love it also. <laughs> like, okay. Like, like yourself. And I, I, so I know the talent and the stuff that goes into these things obviously is incredible. It's just cloudy. I, I did enjoy more than I enjoyed this, I think. But even there, some of the humor wasn't really landing for me in my style of humor. That's, yeah, that's, that's totally fair. I think so for me, it's like this film is produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, right? And they are mm-hmm. responsible for Spider-Verse. They are responsible for Lego movie, cloudy with a chance of meatballs, all stuff. To me, this film felt like more of a cloudy light than a Spider-Verse light. Sure. In terms of sense of humor, which it's so, that's so up my alley. The, not the main story stuff, but the weird, like the robot children. I was obsessed with that. I was like, this is, these one-off lines, love this. The Furby thing, I also was very taken aback by because my my sister had Furbies. I did not. She's, you know, almost five years younger than I am. And the strongest memory I have of them is at one point, because, you know, they were supposed to like learn a language, right? They were supposed Mm -hmm. to learn English, essentially. Like as they, as you talk to them more, they would develop speech skills. I just remember one night it started laughing from her closet. <laughs> I don't think we left it on. I don't know what was happening, but it just started doing the Furby laugh. And I was like, we have to burn it. Like we have, yeah. this is, this is possessed. This is where nightmares are made from. That's yeah, I agree. That scene to me was very confusing in terms of, I was like, it, are they coming back? Yeah. Like, are we, 
is there a Furby movie coming? Am I going to be really upset about this? Well, I just feel like the the existence of the Furby in the scene was supposed to be, it was funny. Like that was where the humor was. And that's what they, they were doing the comedic pauses and like all the things just showing a Furby. And it was kind of like, is this? Yeah. Be honest. If my Furby had done that, I would probably still have my Furby, (laughs) but I don't anymore. Like the thing about the Furby is I don't really know anyone personally who talks about Furbies anymore and like laughs about remember Furbies like I, I don't you know it's like unless it's yeah. some weird TikTok joke or something that I just don't know about <laughs> well, like this yes, movie, the, you know? <laughs> so so not to harp too much on the Furbies but I, I will acknowledge that a lot of it felt like and that scene in particular probably is indicative of how do you do fellow kids that meme of you know Steve Buscemi from 30 Rock where I was just like this is a film certainly made by someone who's closer to our age than a teenage film student trying to make content that a teenage film student in modern day would potentially make. And there was just like a, a lack of organicness to it. The fact that it was on YouTube and not TikTok, which again, you know, production times and blah, 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 just said to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a little older. Yeah. This is, this is adults <laughs> making films that they think they're teens. But as somebody who was a teenage girl at one point applying to film school, I was like, yeah. Okay, I get a yeah. lot of this. Y- yeah, yes, some, yes, some of that. parents, like, it will never make money. It might make money. It probably won't. Not, like, this career will not make money. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is, it's funny, because I was a teenager applying to these schools, and it's like, my parents, thankfully, always were just like, yeah, go after, chase your dreams, whatever. Like, very kind of like, whatever. But I knew so many people and was so sad for so many of my friends that I made in school that just did not have that same kind of reaction. And this was so that <laughs> nail yeah. on the head in that way. And Right. And so that was very accurate. And I... You know, I think the heart was really there. I liked uh, the mom character. You know, for, for me, when I think I was a couple minutes in, when I determined, I was like, oh, oh no, this is not going to be for me. And it was when they harped on that, like, joke with the dad's laugh, like a howler monkey or something. Yeah, or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, kind of, and not saying the whole thing was like that, but that kind of just, like, over the top, oh, my God, you're begging me to laugh at this. I was like, ooh, just this is not for me. <laughs> Well, that was that was an example of cutting to something internet-y that I was like, this is aimed at youths and we are yeah. not the youths. But I guess, I guess for me, because I, well, one, I watched two awful movies sandwiching it. So I was like, <laughs> okay, this is spe- spectacular. I watched like the new Tom Clancy movie with Michael B. Jordan. I was like, why is this so bad? And so, so watching this, I was like, this is a breath of fresh air for me. And also, I'm always the one who hates things these days. And so having something, I was like, I really like this. I'm kind of sad and surprised that and now I, I see how the tables have turned. That other other you're, people are like, no, you're it's not that good. <laughs> you're the mat now. You're the mat. How does it feel? I'm the mat, yeah. So I, I, I think I owe you yeah. several apologies, Matt. No. Stop being mad. <laughs> Sometimes it's tough being mad, you know. No, it's yeah. fine. No, and I think. To, to that point, it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about movies that have not been amazing, but like I've harped on oh, the cinematography was just, oh. and so like sometimes there is enough to kind of make you like, you know, like if you're watching a bad film and then you watch this, the animation from what I can tell is really cool. Oh, like, yeah. And, and the style and everything is, it's it's a visual feast, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's, there it, there's merit there in, in that and kind of like uh, you can enjoy that and laugh at this and that. I laughed at Olivia Coleman a couple of times. Oh, sure. I don't yeah. remember what exactly she said, but I did like her character. I usually gravitate toward the villain, I guess, but I did like her character. And I like that she was just a face and that you could still kind of really emote and have diff- a bunch of different, you know, you could get, yeah. you know, there was a performance there, even though she was a screen, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. You know what that plot line reminded me of? Super intelligence. Mm. Oh. 
and I was just better, like, huh? uh, well, right. And that's what, again, I was like, in context, but a little better. That makes this film better. <laughs> you know, it, it's another thing somehow in favor of this film. It's the kind of plot that you can get away with in a children's animated film. I, that was the thing. I, like, I certainly felt like there were things for kids, but I actually didn't feel like it was super aimed yeah. at young children, which was nice. You know, I, I, for me at least, you know, there were a lot of jokes that I, got a lot of humor out of those like no kid is gonna understand this the again the the two robot ro- defective robots yeah. i was like this is for this is for the danas of the world you know and right, this will get right. dana through this entire <laughs> film one thing that I, I just real quick that i i was interested to see what you both thought of now this happens in one of my top top animated films ever which is wally so i'm not going to harp on it too badly but what are your thoughts on when we incorporate live action things in because they did it a lot here and it really was pulling me out i don't love it in wally either i will say yeah with but like it Fred really Willard. was just so many random pictures and then the footage and this and that and it just kept kind of pulling me out of it a little bit where i was like you're just reminding me that you look very different than real people you know <laughs> in this weird way like just it's an interesting choice and i don't really quite grasp why it's made when it is i i think it can be done well but no good example comes to mind. I know. I was going to say the same thing, but then I'm thinking I just don't like it because I actually couldn't think of an example where I was like, yes, that was wonderful. Yeah. Because yeah, I don't love it in Wally, but Wally, I forgive it a lot more than I did. Here. But but in Wally, it's not super obtrusive, right? It's just yeah. sort of there. Yeah. It's in the film that he's watching and it's in the, you know, the axiom, you know, film. And I feel, yeah. like, I feel like thing, the film he's it. watching for some reason that doesn't, take me out of the world because I like the idea that he can watch ours or something. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't, you yeah. know what I mean? Like He's watching something fictional. Right. right? But then when once his face is, is uh, yeah. talking about boarding the axiom and stuff, yeah. I don't like that. I don't love it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I guess I'm not distracted by that one just because I'm like, oh, it's so self-contained as opposed yeah. to this, which just keeps. Yeah. This just added to me that whole, I'm trying to be really cool thing that, yeah. it was going for that was failing a little which is funny some of it was very cool and I really did like a lot of the art and the design of it so I'm not trying to harp on it too much yeah I can't think of a successful example but I think it's possible to do well is what I think what it comes down to fair enough if there's a story justification for it right sure but this is just showing and I think that does go back to that howler monkey thing where it's just like this is just to show off yeah. this is something that you this is this goes back to that example of like you showing your friends something you think is funny and being like, funny, no? And and some of your friends will be like, uh-huh. And the rest will be like, no. Um, but I feel like this was the, you know, having an entire movie being like, do you like my humor? I find this Howler Monkey funny. No? You don't like? Okay, yeah. well, then I've lost you. Yeah. All right. Would you recommend this film? Yeah. I would to children or if it was to somebody that I thought had this humor. Okay. Yeah, you I know would, what I mean. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it to someone with humor like me. If I like, like, I wouldn't have recommended this to Jackie. Mm-hmm. I might have recommended it to you. That's valid. I mean, you know what I'm mean? not going to be like that's just knowing what I'm knowing now, or yeah. what I know now. I that's like legit. if you had any interest in this at all, I would say sure, watch it. But I, I'm not going to be posting everywhere, being like, oh my god, go watch this movie immediately because I don't think it's for mm-hmm. everyone, right? No. Um, so similar, I guess. Yeah. Again, I think watching the trailers, I was like, oh everything good is either in the trailers or this is going to get really abrasive really fast. And for me, it did not get abrasive, even though it is, it's a lot at times. It could have also been shorter. I will fully. It, it was, did feel a little long. Was, 
because they they resolved all the family stuff within like 40 minutes and i was like there's another yeah. hour of this movie i know i did look at one point and understand that i had like i think 26 minutes left and i was like oh <laughs> uh I, I that happened for sure but i haven't i don't usually look but i, I did <laughs> I also think given that it's on Netflix, there's no barrier to entry except, you know, most people have Netflix. I, I'm fully in support of this. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we are back. This wasn't a movie. We weren't expecting to watch this. But really quickly, I think we are obligated to talk about the Marvel sizzle reel that was released yeah, at so today of recording. We saw lots of new names. We saw tiny bits of footage. We finally got to see something from the Eternals. Oh, God. I was so finally. excited. For, I, I would just thought of Matt. I was like, oh. I just been waiting for it. I started crying immediately when watching this thing. I was I was a weird time. I woke up and I was like, I looked at my phone. It was very early in the morning and it was like, you know, but also I hear Stan Lee's voice and it triggers me these days. Sure. But that was a lot. And then you're just you're showing Chadwick and then you're showing they're hitting the beats. They're showing Wanda with vision. They're doing all these like real quick things. Oh, I know definitely cried are, in it too. Yeah, they know what we're into right now. Like they know mm-hmm. what's hot, <laughs> you know? They just did it. It was so nicely put together, I thought, in the whole just talking about the family stuff and the we are group moment, which is one of the better moments from that film, if you ask me. It was all these warm, fuzzy yeah. moments from all their yeah. films that actually landed. It was what we know? need right now. And it was just, it felt so good to watch. You want to talk about incorporating, I, so it's not fair to call it like, but I, incorporating the fan screening footage mm-hmm. in it, you know, where they like show that, but I was like, that was an interesting choice on their part. Mm-hmm. And if you've been to any, not any, but a lot of these press screenings, or I just remember there were like, there used to be all these commercials, especially for, I think, horror movies where they'd show that like green yeah, yeah, yeah. camera of mm-hmm. people in the audience going like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like there aren't cameras in some of these screening audiences. That to me, I was like, oh, this is a choice. This is an yeah. interesting choice. I loved it though. Loved it just it. reminded you. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. We all like had those moments together and like, we're going to be having them soon and look like, it just made me just look forward to that in the movie theater again. But that's exactly the what I was going to go to also is that we've talked a lot over this past months that we've been doing this about theaters and watching at theaters, watching at home, this and that. And studios having different discussions. I know we've talked about this on the side as well, just like what is going to be happening and, you mm-hmm. know, with theater life. And it just really made me kind of, it made me emotional to think about just how they, they, they made the statement about it before, but are doubling down on the like, these are theater films. They believe in the theater experience and they are pushing for it. And like the ending with like, see you in the movies. Well, just like, I, I mean, I, I live. I mean, the timing of it is the countdown to Black Widow. That's very, yeah. it's well, a very pointed. Well, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, because they're, they're, I mean, they're good at what they do, right? I mean, this is yeah. like the whole point. I just like the message. But I just love the, home, yeah, exactly. You know? I just loved the message of like, we're going to see you at the movies soon. Yes, this will. And this, this is, will be this again. is what you're going to be looking yeah. forward to. And this is like, this is, this is what we've got. We've given you so far yeah. and what you loved and what you were so excited for. And now I'm going to show you everything you're going to be excited for next. And I was here for every fucking minute of it. Same. And I think also we are so lucky right now to have these next three films. Of course, I'm sure we all have different varying excitement levels for each one. But that these next three films are so, in my my opinion, hugely important in representation ways and different kinds of, like, it's a cool time to be like, we're finishing out this year with three films that, like, we need. We need these movies. Yeah. For different reasons. And I'm so excited about it. The Marvels title drop. Oh, talk about that for a I second. was yeah. dying. That major iconic major. That logo is so iconic and amazing, and it was everything. Just seeing, uh, 
took me a while. I was like, did we know this before? And I was like, no, this is new. Mm-hmm. Just subtle without, without advertising it, just dropping titles. I mean, everyone should read the beginning of Miss Marvel. I, I haven't kept mm-hmm. current on it, so I don't know. But when she first debuted, those, you know, the first couple of years were incredible. And anyway, so she's, she's actually a fangirl of Carol's, which is why she named herself Miss Marvel. And yeah. so to be able to see them on screen together and hopefully get that right. I obviously thought of both of you with the Black Widow. Also, this felt like a very like, hey, we need you to be hyped for Black Widow. We know mm-hmm. you are. I I am in the camp of this is this should have been in the last phase. I don't care. I know you yeah. two are, you know. No, not, I get that. I, um, I get that 100%. Yeah, but this this clearly like the sizzle reel was designed to be like, watch Black Widow. That was the psychology. And, and great job. They did a great job. Yeah, you know, I think it worked, right? Else. But I love the Fantastic Four drop of like, fuck you. We're not going to name a title here, but yeah. we know you're going to be excited for the so number four so in blue. That's it. Not, not even a year. We're not yeah. even a year. No year. We're not going to tell you when it's happening. We're just letting you know we're yeah. setting that bitch up. Okay? Yeah. I saw people on social media a little bit, like Twitter and stuff, that didn't know Fantastic Four was actually happening and were like confused by the four at the end and stuff and i was like i guess not everyone just ingested investor day like we did i don't know i don't understand but what you're saying it's like <laughs> what like it so, even, it, I so thought that the was thing random. is like even if you hadn't known investor day like i think that four meant it was happening it like should. i don't okay. understand like that logo was very obviously fantastic four like i don't know yeah i don't know who knows but then also black panther wakanda forever like mm. the big bold mm. it just mm. it made me just really happy so okay i'm gonna funny. i'm gonna unpopular opinion again yeah i don't love that title okay only because i feel like you know they had this really brilliant organic thing it was a great line when they first wrote it it has been appropriated by wider culture in it's a true. way that is a little bit exhausting you, you see the photos of chadwick doing the the arms cross thing and getting more and more tired of having to do it i'm like that's what the phrase means to me now that doesn't mean the movie's gonna say wakanda for every every two minutes it probably will yeah. i don't know what they could have called it so that's totally fair but I, that's how i found out that the thing was coming somebody texted me a photo of the wakanda forever and i was like is that legit? I don't, I, I have <laughs> yeah. no idea what you're like. Th- no, did you not see the real? I was like, what real? What are you talking about? And then saw all the things. I went, oh, it's legit. But yeah. I don't love Quantumania either. So it's not, it doesn't matter. Marvel's going to, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to love it. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. No, I feel that. But yeah. I was just thinking like of it, all, the, but... all the people who are going to be like, Wakanda forever. I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No. yeah no. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a fan service, but I, I, I don't mind that. Yes. The thing that shocked me most, not most, but the thing that I picked up on, I, for some reason, thought that Kumail Nanjiani in The Eternals was going to be an alien or something. And so seeing him oh. as a human in the trailer, I was like, what? Is it? Oh, yeah. Are they no. all people? So The Eternals are, are humanoid. They're all humanoids. So it's like a subset of the human race that was created by like the alien celestials <laughs> when they came and observed early prototypes of humans on Earth. And so like <laughs> they are just enhanced. They live a lot longer than humans and they kind of have, when they were created, they kind of got mutations similar to X-Men in a way, but they're all human. But they look human, human. But they look like us. Maybe I knew that deep down, but just was not expecting. Also, I love yeah. that the first shot from it is a woman on a horse in a cowboy hat. I was like, well, Chow, at her, yeah. at her best. Yeah. She knows well, what's up. I mean, Salma Hayek, I mean, she's playing Ajak, which is like the, the leader of the, of the Eternals and historically in the comics has been a male this whole time so i love, I that, love they, that that they did that the gender swap i'm here for it I'm here for sama seeing like angelina as thena real quick there and then of yeah. course my favorite Gemma champ being cersei i just i'm so here for it i can't wait i can't 
No. Yeah, I love that we got like two bits. I was like, oh, give me more. And yeah. I was like, oh, good, more. <laughs> yeah, because they did the logo and then they did more. And I was like, oh, yeah, more, more, more. So I I mean, I am just hoping. I get if they don't want to double down on trailers and stuff like that. And if we have to wait till Shang-Chi to maybe get a trailer, I get it. But I really hope we get one on Widow. I'm just hoping. I oh, watch Shang-Chi and Eternals on Widow. I think we'll get one on Widow. Like a teaser, like something small. Yeah. Because I need something. So I'm hopeful. I think they'll, we'll get one on Widow just so people go to the theater. Like another reason to True. force people, not force, but like incentivize people to go to the theater. Like you want to see this? Obviously, it'll release online immediately. Right. But, but still, it'll seeing it in the theater, I think that's the yeah. playing like to de- the right group. Debuting on Black Widow, you know. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I'm ex- here for it. Exclusive. Meow, 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 whatever. Yeah. But that's uh, it's an exciting unexpected little gift to us this monday it really was i love that we i love that we didn't know to expect it and then yes it yes like, oh. well <laughs> it's know. something that would have dropped at a comic-con or something but obviously sure you know you're actually totally right like that, that i mean i get the timing with widow but that, that is such a comic-con thing a real this yeah. has probably already been yeah this has been this, edited for yeah years, this is like they what they were gonna do <laughs> but then they're like no yeah. well. <laughs> This is this is from Comic Con twenty twenty, you guys. This is Comic Con twenty twenty yeah. sizzle reel. Yeah. Right. And they were like, Well fuck, I guess we just save it. Yeah. Or like it's Monday. It. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> like fine by us. But Somebody yeah, just so accidentally yeah. did it. They're like, meh. <laughs> mm, yeah, just leaked it. Yeah. Smart smart play. Well done. I'm hyped. I was already hyped. Now I'm super hyped. And I just, yeah, I'm excited. I like the unexpected nature of it too. Like I feel like yeah. so much of our hype has been scheduled. And so to wake up to this being like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, moving on to Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. This is, this, is a, this is a tough one for me. I actually really want to know what Matt thinks first, because Dana and I have read yeah, the books. I read the book years ago. Oh, you I did? I don't remember it. Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, it. you don't remember it. So maybe that counts. Because the thing is, it's like I, I read Shadow and Bone very recently, like in quarantine. Mm-hmm, I had read Six yeah. of Crows a long time ago, though. So that one, that's those plots I know less well. So you read it out of order or is that because I think I only read the first. They're not actually like ordered. They're separate. They're separate okay. trilogies in the same verse. So it's called Grisha verse. And Grisha, yeah. Well, I was saying it Grisha in my head, oh, I don't know. and I didn't know. I don't know how they pronounce it in the show either, because as soon as that they say Grisha, yeah. Grisha. Okay. I read one book, and honestly, this is I'm the thing is I clearly didn't continue with it. I liked the book well enough. I remember when I read it, but it's kind of like the Game of Thrones thing. When Game of Thrones came out, I didn't even remember that I had read the first book until I watched the first episode. I was like, wait, I've read this, and then I hadn't read any more of it. But I was, it's just I'm a weird person like that. But anyway, but oh, then I eventually I... read it all. But <laughs> aggressively, yeah. So we should clarify because I want to say when I the one I read was like 2014, 2015, and I was randomly it was a I thought it was a new book at the time, but I I, I really don't know. I just really she has another book series that I really like, and so I read one of those, and then I looked up her other stuff and realized I had read some the Six of Crow book a long time ago, and then I was like, oh, so then I picked up this one because I was like, oh, or Shadow and Bone. The publishing order was Shadow and Bone, which is the Grisha trilogy, started in 2012, and then she wrote, so it's three of them, and she finished it in 2014, and then in 2015, she wrote Six of Crows, and that's a duology, so there's a second book, and then in 2019, she wrote another duology Got it. called King of Scars, and then there's one coming out this year called Rule of Wolves. They're all in the same universe, yeah. All in the same, in the Grishaverse. The Shadow and Bone, what's the second one called? 
Siege and Storm. Siege and Storm. Because the show is based on two books. So it must be on both of those. No, the show. So the show is based on Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. Oh, see, this is why I thought that I. Yeah. Okay. I feel better now. Okay. So Matt, what did you think as the person who has read it the furthest back? Yeah. So I, like I said, I have very little detail in my mind about what it was all about. Some of it was coming back to me when I was watching this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I ended up getting through three episodes, but okay. I know we think we're talking about the first here, right? To kind of get into details. I, I had a hard time kind of re- like I was, I was kind of zoning out a little bit. I got to tell you. And I just mm-hmm. was kind of not really that exciting. And then I looked up and I remember I didn't realize we had gone into the second episode. I saw the ending of the first episode, but for some reason I didn't, I don't know, but it's just kind of like not hitting a right note for me. And I think part of it, by the time I was continuing to go on, I think part of it is just, I don't think they really effectively set up why we should care so much about getting through this thing. Mm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like it's like, oh, it can unite the world, but like, why aren't people just fine where they are? Like, it's just kind of like, I want to get deeper into that. And like, I'm assuming if I don't remember, but I'm assuming the book sets that up in a way that makes you care more well okay so first thing i want to say is did you know and this is i figured this out during quarantine by the way but that netflix shows like so if you're watching a netflix original show it'll start the next episode after three seconds but if you're watching anything that's not netflix branded it won't start the second episode until 15 seconds okay they probably have some so if you probably have some so basically watch more trailers yeah so so basically if you're watching a netflix branded show the next episode will start way faster than it does on any other show that you watch on netflix anyway okay okay so that just saying that if you don't notice now, thank you for that because I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're you, you haven't you haven't lost your mind. Yeah, remember the big moment with the light and she's being taken, and, and I remember yeah. that, and then suddenly, it's literally like, yeah. three seconds. Yeah. And and the yeah. thing is, which I think is hilarious because it's 15 seconds for other shows, which is five times as much. Anyway, yeah. So that aside, the book doesn't it doesn't set that up necessarily much better, to be honest. But they focus on it more in the show because in well, okay. In the book, Shadow and Bone, it actually doesn't, you don't get a large worldview for a long time. Mm -hmm. So basically, Mm -hmm. you're just following them in this orphanage slash they're getting out to go into the army thing. And then so you only have this tiny worldview of what they're doing. And so because they mixed the storylines and needed to explain why everyone cared about this one thing, they didn't do a good job of setting it up because in the original story... You just follow her and him for a little while. So you care about them a lot. Mm -hmm. And then in Six of Crows, I didn't even realize they were the same universe until I was reading an article saying it was based on both of these books, right? And I was like, oh, okay. Because I'd read it so long ago that the magic people in the book aren't... Well, because Six of Crows is... So the second plot line about the people that want to steal her, basically... That's Six of Crows. So Six of Crows is about the heist and and Shadow and Bone, right? Wait, did you say steal her? And I say this because I did not watch further than the first episode. Yeah. They're trying to steal Alina? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have, we will have words. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they definitely are trying to so, steal her. <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, Jackie, remind me. Which order? You read them Grisha and then you read Six of Crows. No, opposite. She did Six of Crows, then Shadow and Bone. Okay. You read the heist story first. Yeah, like a long time ago. Okay. I have a monologue that I, because I've been bottling this all up and I'm ready to go. I'm anxious to hear you have both of your thoughts. 
like but i want to let jackie finish her so so basically like in shadow bone it's very small and it's just about her relationship with him and then you sort of figure out because you go through her memories and like you see them in the army camp you know with the grisha getting treated better and them getting not treated as well and then you kind of yeah figure out so there's more of a like hatred towards the grisha in the first one or at least in shadow bone and so you understand her reluctance to be one mm-hmm. a lot more in the book. You do yeah, and I didn't feel show. that from her here. I felt it from him, but I didn't feel it from her here <laughs> very much. And so, you know, him being Mal, I assume. Yes, it's just her, like yeah. a friend. Yeah, I felt yeah. him kind of being like, you know. But I will cute. say that, like, I'm not even the hugest fan of the book, if I'm perfectly honest. I really hate sure. the ending hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it ruined the entire rest of it for me. I will say that, like, in the books, I was way more interested – I think because it was a smaller story, to I was wondering about the bigger universe. So that's what kept me reading about it, was trying to figure out, like, what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I think what is really going on isn't actually that interesting. But in the book, we don't get very much detail about it. So you're just kind of like, oh, okay. People keep dying. Yeah. You do know in the book it's very, very obvious that one side is a lot richer than the other side. But they didn't do a mm-hmm. good job visually of showing that here. So basically, like, one side has everything, like, all of the goods and services and all that stuff, and, like, the other side doesn't, and so that's why they have to risk themselves going through the void, because they need materials, food, whatever, from the other side. Got it. Okay. That makes more sense, yeah, and it just doesn't feel that that apparent to me yet, so it's, like, it's not landing as, like... But all they needed was a, a scene of, like, hungry orphans waiting for a ship that doesn't come back. Right. They did, and yeah, and they talked about how her parents went and didn't, you know, and that kind of stuff. But it, I, it, I but guess no one, it's never clear why would you know risk why it? they went. Like, no, nothing. Yeah, I was just like, what's, and then I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah, it just felt kind of like, why are we bothering? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, sorry, ready for your monologue. Okay, I'm going to word vomit now just because I've been thinking us. about this a lot. So I have noticed that depending, I read the books in quarantine as well, and I blazed through them because they're short books. And also I would, I got them, like I kept checking them out from the library and they would end and I read them on Kindle. There'd be like 40% left. I'd be like, what's happening? And I would say a good like three or four or five chapters of the next book would always be available automatically. So I'd read into the next book and then I'd get the next book, you know, the next week or whatever. Be like, wait, did I read this already? Like how far in, how far do I have to skip ahead? So not long books. I have found that it matters in terms of your investment, which series you started with. So I started with Shadow and Bone, which is the Alina, Grisha, very contained to her angsty teenage girl also storyline. I read all those. And then I read the Six of Crows, which are like the crime caper ones. And by the time I got to Six of Crows, I was like, oh, I think I like these better. I just, I thought there was more to it. But the universe in Shadow, uh, the, the Grisha's Shadow and Bone trilogy it's more actually of a political thriller because there's like a kingdom and power involved. And, you know, Ben Barnes's character, the general is making political moves, but there's also like a monarchy. And so that part was touched on and interesting. And then it was all through the lens of this kind of quasi angsty, you know, very pure teen girl. And I was like, I could take that or leave that. But what I thought was that six of crows, the Ketterdam heist one, because of the order I read them in, I thought that one took place like 50 years later. I just thought that, okay, everything that happens and resolved in the first Grisha trilogy like happens, it affects the world in terms of the politics. And then we're seeing the fallout play out in a city that's, you know, far away. I always thought Ketterdam was basically like the red light district of Amsterdam, but they made it look like like swanky New Orleans, basically, which was odd. And so I was very confused when it took me 
I barely got through the first episode, which is shocking for me. I had to start and stop it multiple times. I put it down for a week. Because what happened was I had very distinct, I think, images of who I thought these characters were in my head. And not to say that's right or wrong, and not to say that doesn't happen with any book series you read, but from the millisecond I started this show, I was like, nope, this is not what I thought it was. And now I can't unsee them. And that was disappointing. Because I thought it was more like Catherine the Great Russia versus communist Russia in terms of what the Grisha people were supposed to be like, right? And then again, as I said, Six of Crows, I thought it was more European, like Amsterdam, you know, sketchy. It's They're also supposed to, they're all criminals and everyone was like dressed really well and seemed doing fine. I really struggled with the show condensing the stories and having them take place simultaneously. Doesn't do a good job of keeping track of that. I like that they did very diverse casting, but it's just not what I was imagining for these characters. Also, in my mind, even though they're always, the book has always said they're like 17, 18, whatever. They were older in my mind. These kids look relatively young, but also like adults. I don't know. They're also not the greatest actors. So I'm like, I don't love Alina, which is too bad. Because I also was really excited. She's Asian. I was like, yay. But they also are trying to insert this whole storyline about her looking like this other race who are essentially Asian. You know, they're the equivalent of whatever Asian culture would be. And at no point that I can remember in the book does she ever, are they ever like, oh, she's picked on for being, looking like she could be shoe. And I'm like, what? So just some of the, change. I just, I was really sad. It just, it did not live up to my expectations. And I was trying to think back. I was like, okay, well, when Harry Potter came out, I was young enough and it looked enough like the book covers or, and it just matched enough where I wasn't like as, I was invested, but I just didn't, it matched enough of the world. I was excited enough by the world. I was like, yes, I accept that these are now how everyone looks. Yeah. And with something like Game of Thrones, I don't know if I had as strong of a a mental vision of what the individual characters looked like, but the show, the world was just so well built that I was like, yes, this is, this is acceptable. This one, I'm like, "Mm, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for what was built in my, but like my, my, you know, imagination was stronger than whatever this, and I don't think it makes it bad. Clearly there's some production value, but now it's just sort of ruined what I had in my mind. And that makes me sad. That's tough. It's tough. I mean, you brought up good points as I was thinking Harry Potter when you were saying that. And I had the experience of, I guess, I started reading Harry Potter before a movie was even in the works. And so like I had ideas and then you were right that for me, a lot of the characters when the movie started coming out was, were pretty in line with some of my, my visual representations of them. Uh, Snape was not, but how could you be mad about Alan Rickman? Like, you know, yeah, as far as yeah. how he looked, you know? Right. Uh, and but, acted, right? He had the, yeah, like, right. it was just down. like, it was yeah. like, okay, this is, this is totally fine. Like no complaint. And then because that book series was still in the process of coming out after mm-hmm. movie, came out, they all started to somehow morph in my mind. And now I can barely remember what some of them might've been to me before. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. Yeah. But when you Hermione, like this, Hermione's hair was the thing that stood out to me. Because I had really frizzy hair as a kid. And I was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean? It's not like. Let's see pictures of that, by the way. But yeah, that oh. was what that was one too. Hermione was decidedly more. Um, yeah, Hermione definitely looked different. Typically cute too. than you thought, you know. Yeah, she was the one that looks particularly different for me. But unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. I mean, they basically just melded with the TV. I mean, the movie characters, and you know, I can't. Yeah. Right. I can't yeah. remember now. Wait, my other pointed example would be like Tolkien stuff, you know, Lord of the Rings. Mm, mm-hmm. Those movies were so based on so much art that had been done over the years directly by Tolkien somewhat, but also others that just the lore had been so explored before the movies even came out. Then they studied it so closely that those were almost flawless. For me. Mm-hmm. So it was like no complaints there. So I was, yeah. I'm very spoiled. I mean, I definitely picture everyone older, but only, be, you know, I mean, 
I guess I'm at it. I think it's because it's adults reading it. Yeah. I'm at an age too where like, you know, she's finding these characters attractive and stuff. I'm not going to picture 16 year old boys, you know, 100%. So it's like, exactly. It just, you age them up because what's appropriate to feel in the moment or whatever. So I'm I'm not going to like, but yeah, I didn't think. Yeah. We cast them to our age bracket because that's. Yeah. I would, I would say that like, far as like production value and things like that go, I think they did okay. I just think that like we were talking about sort of earlier is I think that they just dropped the ball on the world building mm-hmm. in general. And so even the best production value in the world, if you don't explain the universe better, people aren't going to believe it slash jump in yeah. with you, right? You need some level of world building, which they didn't really do. You know? Yeah. You need to do it in a way that you will we'll go back to the two examples that I was just referencing, but You've got a Lord of the Rings type world where they set it up at the beginning of that film where you're like, okay, I understand where I am. I am in Middle Earth and this is what things are like, right? And then you're exploring. Or like Harry Potter where you're learning about it with with the character. So like yeah. you're and learning Harry about the has, world as he yeah. does. And Harry has the advantage of starting in our world, right? And right. then moving exactly. into a different world. So, yeah, the difference between high fantasy and fantasy. Right. You have to choose how to do it. If you're going to drop us in high fantasy, you're going to have to explain where each of these countries are why the void's there, what what it all means. Well, if you want that to be a central plot point right away, if you want to do it like it sounds like well, the Shadow and Bone better at does doing. become important, like all that political mm-hmm. stuff, right? But Six of Crows doesn't need it, right? Six of Crows is just like a normal heist story about, I mean, there's magic and stuff, but it's basically like you could set it in London and it wouldn't really change yeah. much of the story. So in Six of Crows, is there heist involved with this Alina character? I don't think so. I don't remember so. that. Like it's, no. Because the thing is, it's like no. in the show they are. They're going to go. They're going. Right. They're going they, to yeah, kidnap Alina that, so, so that like, they can get across the void or whatever to win this contest. Right. But in the, I don't remember what they were looking for in Six of Crows. I, I do. Okay. But that, I'm making a face because I'm like, what the fuck? Because again, I yeah. didn't make it that far into the show. I'm like, that makes no sense. In the Six of Crows, from what I can remember, they are sent to you know, what I call like the essentially like the Norwegians, whatever that, there's a country to do a heist and kidnap a person who, oh God, this is going to get complicated. Okay. There's a drug that gets made that I I assume it's like tobacco type drug. You know, they call it like, it's like a leaf or something that enhances Grisha power and makes them like super crazy powerful. But if you take it once, you get addicted and then you develop all these like insane extra powers, but you are a monster and an addict and all this stuff. So they are sent to kidnap the person who came up with the formula for this thing. Or not kidnap, but like retrieve or whatever it is from a basically impenetrable heist palace, you know, like the strongest prison, et cetera, whatever it is, or not prison, but like laboratory, safekeeping thing, because whoever has the control of this formula, and this this is where political like thriller stuff comes into later in the larger universe. It's like, you know, people want to control this thing. People want to use the Grisha's weapons. People want to do all this stuff and put them under the control by making them addicts. And so they are sent to kidnap the person who, or acquire the person who has the formula for this. It has nothing to do with Alina. Yeah. So it's like just, in the show, why? Like why? for some reason, they're like, what I don't understand about the show, and, and I don't know how far you got, Matt, so maybe this is- Only through episode three. But I don't remember what happens in each episode, so I might spoil something. You know I don't, but- <laughs> Okay. Um, so basically, can. like, they say- the reason why he needs to get across the void is so that he can win this contract with this guy to beat this rival gang. But he only mm-hmm. has until morning to do it. 
that's in episode one and a half. Right. Yeah. But then we keep going and he hasn't gotten Alina yet. He hasn't gotten Alina yet. Like and somehow. You're like, well, how much time has passed? But there, there had to be more than a couple hours passed is all I'm saying. Because he got the assignment and he's like, oh, you only have seven hours to do this, basically. And I'm like, there's more than seven hours that have passed, I'm sure. Well, I was like, you've already spent several hours of the show watching. So yeah. So, so I like. Yeah. So I really <laughs> don't understand what's happening anymore because I got. I mean, maybe he got contract. But it's been more than seven hours, I'm pretty sure. I'm just confused about, like, why they think this would... They know this is a, a book... It's whatever, but a beloved book series by a lot of fans. And when you do things like this, and you make such weird changes, and I don't know, understand why you'd have to combine two storylines from two separate versions, two separate trilogy, duologies, whatever, Yeah. in the first place. But it's like, why do they think fans are going to be okay with this? It's like they're just saying F you to all the fans, and then they're just hoping that normal audiences that haven't read it will just like it. Oh. I mean, in the love triangle, which is obviously an important, for some reason, an important part of YA literature. Anyways. I hate love triangles. I like, I love a love story. But we, why do we have to have a third wheel? What is, anyway. Eventually it becomes like a four, what, not, yeah, there's like another player enters the game at some oh, point. Jesus. Anyway, I always hate yeah. that too, because like, Alana's not that great. But anyway, from what I remember of Shadow and Bone, they're very timid around each other and do not admit to each other how much they mean to each other for ever. So uh, it takes them two books basically. Right. So that's why there's no way that like, cause in this one he's like writing her love letters and shit and like, but she doesn't get them. We see them. Yeah. It's just not, not how it works. That might be in the book. They might not be love letters, but they might be letters. Yeah, sure. But th- it's a little too much for me in the in the in, oh, in sure. the show where I'm just like, okay, this is like it was very subtle. And Jackie, did you finish it? No, because I hated the ending of the first book, and I just was like, oh, okay. this is not something I'm interested in anymore. <laughs> when she gets like the okay, can I can I just say it? Oh yeah, we don't have ahead. to like we don't have to use this, I guess. But the at the end of the book, okay, so Matt, they find so you know what what is his name? Hal, her friend. Uh, Mal. 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 So Mal, yeah. you know, he's this expert tracker, right? But he's basically a Grisha, but a tracker. And I don't know how he's not a Grisha. But anyway, and so he, because he's got these, like, extra powers that, like, no one else can track like he can. Okay. So anyway, he gets this, like, sacred deer that's supposed to, like, amplify powers or something. And then the Darkling, it turns out the Darkling is the bad guy, which is not super shocking. And then, so he's the one who actually caused the void. And somehow is, like, using closing the void as a way to, like, get the monarchy or something. I don't know. I don't remember that part very well. But then, basically, he creates this, like, choker necklace out of this antler from this deer, cages Elena in it so that he controls her powers. That's – are you – you're talking about the book or the show to the point you've watched? No, the book. Yeah. That is close – (laughs) <laughs> that is close. That's what I remember. Yeah, yes. The, it doesn't the, mean it's the deer true. thing happens. Yeah, yeah. The deer thing happens. The amplifier thing. It doesn't allow him to control her power. It does allow her. It it like amplifies her powers. There's a thing about like there's things called amplifiers, and mm. you get them through animals. But doesn't it, it and controls her somehow? He can control her because his power is an amplifier on its own. Right. But doesn't he, like, claim her with the thing somehow? Yeah, it's it's complicated. He basically, like, ties himself to her and then makes her more powerful. 
So it's so like the antler is making her power more powerful. But yeah, so it's like it's like he's super and he like super juiced her battery, but he has access to her battery. Does that make sense? And then, well, then the other few books are just a hunt for these things called the amplifiers, and they're like special amplifiers, and like you have to kill the animal in order to acquire its power, you know, and turn it into an amplifier. I'm and then out. it's just so basically like a they wild had to kill chase. this. Yeah, I'm they, out. they had to kill this innocent stag of light to do this. And I was like, I don't want to read this anymore. Like these are not for me. You know, oh, it gets even more absurd. Yeah. And then also the whole premise of that was so ridiculous to me. And then also I just I by the end of it, I was like, ooh, these are ooh, I don't like it. <laughs> so my one of my questions was there's this whole complicated relationship between her and the Darkling, who is like the, the Ben Barnes character. And we find out, I don't know if this is in episode three or no, so sorry, spoilers, but you know, we find out that he's basically been faking his own death for how like two hundred years, three hundred years, and he like always comes back in this political position. He created the void. He's the most powerful of his type. Of, he's the only one of his type of Grisha around. Except for his mom. He's the most powerful, except for his mom. And he just keeps like pretending to go die and then comes back and like gains political power again, which is, you know, whatever. So he is Turbo slash King Candy. Yeah, He is basically. King Candy. And then- Yes, Ben Barnes is, yeah. Well, and King in Candy. the show, I mean, in the book, they do a better job of showing this. In the book, she's an outcast because- she didn't grow up Grisha. And so even though she's like super yeah. powerful. So some of them want to be your friend only because she's powerful. And then everyone else doesn't want to be your friend except for makeup girl who, which is why you mm-hmm. see her more than anyone else. The redhead. It's like she's shamed for getting her power late, but also they're all jealous of the power. Essentially. Right. So they're she's the only really one, right? mean to her and not. So she's drawn to the darkling because he's the only one who's not yeah. really mean to her slash giving her well, more personal attention. Not only that, he's basically grooming her. Yeah. That was my big thing with it, right? He's 200 years old. She's like 18, but he's, there's definitely some, and this is where the book is definitely problematic, right? Because, and this is why I, oh, I think I cast them older in my mind because she's basically this sort of, as I said, she's supposed to be a teenage girl. There's definitely a kind of twilight-y element of like, ooh, first love. Ooh, is it going to be, is it going to be the boy she grew up with or this like dark, attractive older man? You know, she feels the the connection. He's the only one of his kind. She's the only one of her kind around. Blah, 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 They're going to save the world together. Yeah, they'll rule. They'll be in power. And as far as I could tell, that did not seem to make it to the show. But I could 100% see that have being a reason that people would have flocked to the show is that like I you said it earlier Jackie it's terrible but like people people will watch a love triangle they'll watch it whether or not it's good thing they'll they'll root they'll be team Mal or team well, people Darkling love a and, romance let's be very honest yeah, but it, yeah. It, well I mean and it just Twilight wasn't really solidified that yeah and I think that like yeah. honestly this unfortunately like as someone who loves romances they just didn't play it right like I didn't feel the connection between her and Darkling here sounds like she's almost like Vanellope von Schweetz maybe she just watched Wreck It Ralph. I know. I was Ralph like, is better. Just watch Ralph, we're honest. <laughs> oh, marginally, 100%. <laughs> way better. Yeah. Did anyone else watch The Witcher? Yes, I did. I thought about it when we were watching this, and I thought it was better, but I also didn't love it. Matt, did you play The Witcher as well? No, but you watched some of it, Jackie. Because we talked. Oh, about you it. mean the TV series? So, yes, with Hen- with Henry Cavill. For some reason, and this is. I, I thought of the Nicolas Cage movie and I was like, I think I've seen some of it. And I, Season of the Witch, because I've seen that too. What I don't know what it was called. I honestly don't remember. But Season anyway. Of the Witch. I like that your went there. Yeah. I liked. I brought it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> must have been Nicolas Cage film. It must be this Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> I did see some of the Witcher. I never did finish it. It does remind me a lot of that. But everyone else except for me apparently loved it. So I don't know. But I just nope. felt like Witcher to me 
was incomplete. It didn't quite grasp, like it had a good story and it had an interesting thing happening. It just didn't do it well. And so it was just decided to get overly complicated and weird with the way like the linear, non-linear fashion of the story. It just decided. And so it was just so hard to follow that I was just like, I'm one of those people who's usually pretty good at following stories. So I just, I felt bad for people like my parents, you know, because if I could barely understand what was happening, like I'm sure that they were just never going to get it. This was similar for me in that I played the Witcher 3 video game which was spectacular. It was like, it's truly a great video heard, game yeah. in terms of story, in terms of, and I guess The Witcher is based on books and I like started to try to read the books. I was like, no, I'm okay. Cause, just because the video d- game did such a faithful, it seems like adaptation of it. And video games have an advantage in that you play for like 60 hours. You are in control of a lot of it. You feel invested in the choices, but there was also just something about the translation of it where I was like, yes, you clearly spent a lot of money on this. You know, the world production value-wise is built out, but I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I've played the game that you are, you've taken this from very clearly. And again, the non-linear stuff, the casting stuff as well. There are some very distinct characters where it's like, this person is a redhead. They talk about them being a redhead a hundred times. And they're like, "Mm, let's guess like a brunette. You know, it's, it wasn't that exactly, but there was something that happened along those lines. And it's another Netflix show where I'm just like, you had something really good. That yeah. you, it was popular didn't have to work though. That hard I feel like that was popular, so they probably. Yeah. I know people who did like yeah. it. So and those casting things are annoying. Even like, I mean, Harry should have green eyes. But we, oh, yeah. when we talk about The Witcher, it's like I haven't played the games, but also I would argue that video games are a certain kind of medium where they can have some really cool stories, but they can also probably get away with stories that wouldn't necessarily work as well as a narrative if told the same exact. You know, if, if the same story was being told like, in the same way. But then they tried to overcomplicate this in a way where I was like, why'd you make this weird and confusing? And it, the style was just begging to be Lord of the Rings, which a lot of fantasy is, but it was begging for it. And I got to say, I don't know if this is popular or unpopular opinion based on the game and the character in it, but Yennefer was the only thing that kept me going in the show. And I liked yes, her story. I'm sorry. Yennefer was the casting problem. And not a problem, but she's yeah. supposed to start out as like a super misshapen, you know, Okay, they just gave her some yeah. skin problems, but they were yeah, they're like, you know? she has acne. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she had it. a she had a hump on her back. She did. She did. Yeah, she on her back where you could barely see it, but like, don't worry. Right. Yeah. They. <laughs> it was they there. Could, yeah, they could have played that up. But again, that's also based on a book, so it's like the book as as a whole. Yeah. Was, all right. Well, I don't think I'm gonna finish it, which is for me so painful and sad because I was really excited about the show. Yeah, I'm sad for you. I I hate when this. I mean, for me, I'm not, I don't have any emotional attachment to it, but I hate when that happens when I do, yeah. you know, and it's, it's sad. So I'm, I'm sad for both. And of it's ruined the books. Cause I'm like, now these, th- these casts are stuck in my head, even though I think it's not, I don't think they're terrible people or terrible actors. They're just not what I imagined. And they are not good enough to justify me purging from my brain what I had envisioned. Yeah. But would you two recommend the show? Oh, no. no I mean, I, I haven't been, I mean, I don't even think I'll finish it. That's why I was curious to see if Matt liked it because, like, I wondered if book knowledge hindered you. Yeah, recent book knowledge was, it. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I would not recommend it. I would recommend it if you were watching that, what was that HBO show? The Nevers? <laughs> yeah, The Nevers. If you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, if, if you're you watching like that kind the of Nevers, stuff, you're loving it. Probably for you. I like, I thought The Nevers was a little, no, I don't, I don't think it was better. I thought they both were boring. So, honestly, if you like The I Witcher, did. you might like this too. That's true. If you're really oh, yeah. into The Witcher, you might like this. 
Yeah, yeah I don't know. Side note, my mom watched The Witcher and my dad was like, I hate this show, but mom surely yeah. seems to like it. And I was like, mom likes yeah. Henry Cavill, I think is what's happening yeah, here. Honestly, honestly, like, you can't, I mean, I don't know how many episodes well, they did I the watched, watch. but I had a very hard time figuring out what was going on most of the time. Well, I mean, I could talk about yeah. that. That's a whole Jennifer separate was thing. Wonderful, I could, but like, yeah. But also having not read the books or really played the game or anything, I've spent enough time in Box Lunch, the store, to see the statue they were selling of this man in the bathtub. And so I know they recreated that scene for everybody. And like, <laughs> yes, they did. You know I mean? So they there were definite it. nods. And I know people who were watching it for eye candy and were enjoying the ride well enough. And that's fair. We've all been there, you know. So yeah. no shade. but Watch this for Ben Barnes, I guess. He's pretty hot. Yeah. I'll say to your question about like what the kind of not with fresh book knowledge, I'm not offended by anything i've seen yet i just don't find it entertaining you know what i mean so it's not like upsetting me in a way where just i don't because i don't have the book knowledge right now right because i was wondering if the book knowledge was like i knew too much to care because they were trying to set up some yeah. sort of mystery with what's going on and if i knew too yeah. much then maybe it still wasn't interesting but yeah but then like on dana's level where like we're talking about some stuff that is that seems to be like upsetting because it's like what are you thinking it's like i don't have that reaction because i don't know it's that off you know yeah but i still don't like it yeah, I, I think actually the hardest part to parse for me is with the book knowledge is being like, these things are happening. What what do you mean they're happening simultaneously? And because they're not happening in a logical way on the show simultaneously to the parts I've watched, I'm like, well, this was dumb. <laughs> yeah, I always go there. I always go, again, not to harp on how much I love Lord of the Rings as an adaptation, but I always go there where I'm like, there are many changes in those films, but the story and the core of it is accurate and the heart is true. And I'm sure you could talk to a Tolkien purist who will tell you otherwise, but... I feel that in my core about those films. And I always say, if you're going to do some big adaptation, yes, you have to make changes. There are things that you're going to make that make it, you know, more, uh, a nicer adaptation for film or, or comic book or story, whatever the medium is you're adapting to or from. But if you have to change the story around and have to do all these crazy things to try to make it work, if you will, then I'm like, make a new story, make something new. I don't understand right. why you have to do this. I, well, that's the thing. I don't think they had to change. I think they chose to change. Well, I mean, if they, felt, if they felt the need to, I guess. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, for whatever whatever reason that is, whether I, I doubt they had to, because I do think a lot of modern day books are written in a way that I, I read them and I'm kind of like, this would be a good movie. Or this would be a good show. Like, they're kind of written in a way that would work well. And maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe this is, I don't know, reading too much into it, but I almost feel like because first book is basically just like a love triangle with magic. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of political intrigue, but it's mostly a love triangle with magic. And the Six of Crows books are basically like action adventure books with a little bit of magic. Maybe they didn't trust that the love story would be enough slash they didn't gamble on that. And they decided to sort of mix them to get more audience. Yeah. And then that well, just means you're probably not the right people to make this. Yeah. And it just, yeah. It, it, which unfortunately I think just sort of dims the light of both stories. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, like, I do think the the first set, the Shadow and Bone ones, become a little more of the love triangle definitely sticks throughout the whole thing. But there does become a larger power struggle eventually. So they could have, if they covered all three books. Yeah, and they eventually know, will. They a larger episode like, order. But if you're thinking like when I'm selling this show to an audience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wish they'd done that. They'd committed to being like, okay, we're going to cover book one through 1.5 of only Shadow and Bone. And then, you know, do a, pull a Disney Plus, be like, and we're announcing a separate series of the Six of Crows. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. You know? it, but I think... Like Game of Thrones is doing. But I think it also goes to, yeah. I mean, it, it speaks to 
Bridgerton hadn't been out yet, you know, mm, mm-hmm. and I think that they just didn't trust they would necessarily get enough people with a young female audience. And I think that they should have trusted it. That's true. All right. Well, an odd week for us, but thank you both. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Marvel. Marvel. For, thank you, you Quantumania. Yeah. Thank you, yes. you United Wakanda Forever. Yeah, thank you, The Number Four. This episode brought to you by The Number Four in Blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and The Marvels. The highlight of our week, The Number Four in Blue, with no dates. No info. Thank you, as always, to Jackie and Matt, and now a couple of quick follow-up points. The reason, potentially the reason, that I at least felt like the Mitchells versus the Machines disappeared off the face of the Earth for a really long time was it was slated to come out in October of 2020. The trailer had dropped in March of 2020, so it probably felt like oh, this is on the horizon, and then just nothing. Sony did announce at one point that they were delaying it indefinitely, and this is when it was called Connected. And then it suddenly came back with little fanfare in April of 2021 called The Mitchells versus The Machine. So obviously, because this gap happened over 2020, it felt like a lifetime. And then as for Shadow and Bone, I'm just going to call a mea culpa. We, there are so many inaccuracies in what we described about the books, but there are also so many inconsistencies from what they were adapting because clearly they're choosing to take it in a different direction. They are definitely adapting the first book, Shadow and Bone, and the first book, Six of Crows, from their respective trilogies and duologies. That part is clear, but... A lot of the rest, they are, you know, just doing their own thing. Like, for example, I, I, we did a very bad job of explaining amplifiers. I will say that the Darkling himself is an amplifier. That's his power. It's, I can't, I, you know, I, it would require me to go back and read the book to get the exact description on how he controls Alina through her amplifier. It's just, if you, really, what it comes down to is read the books. I enjoyed the books. Jackie enjoyed the books. We all clearly enjoyed the books because we read them. I think that's a much better option than watching the show. But if you don't feel like it or you watch the show and you're like, no, I love this on its own. That's great. Enjoy it. The show was well within its rights to adapt the source material in a way that's not faithful. Lee Bardugo, the author, is an executive producer on the show. So clearly she signed off on whatever changes they made, or I assume she signed off on them. It's just a matter of preference. And as far as preferences go, this was not for us, but that doesn't mean it can't be for you. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.